Okay. So if you could just start like kind of some of your background, like where are you from, family dynamics, like just some little details about that. Okay, cool. Well, I'm Mary Scott Mercer. Um, I am married to Daniel and we live in Columbia, South Carolina, but um, he is in the military. So I'm, I'm an army wife. So we kind of travel and live all over the place, but I'm from Charlotte, so okay. I grew up in Charlotte my whole life, um, from the time I was born to graduating, and I went to Clemson. Okay. Um, I have one brother, and I had a mom and dad, or a mom and dad, um, <laughs> but my childhood was definitely marked a lot by um, my mom's illness, so... Okay. When I was in fifth grade, my mom became like it's a, well, it sort of starts like earlier than that when I mm-hmm. was about two. Okay. Um, my parents moved or not moved. They went to Hawaii on a trip. Okay. For my dad's work, and mm-hmm. my mom, um, while they were there, she had two lungs collapse, and she oh, stepped, wow. she had to stay in Hawaii for like a few months. Wow. And got that under wraps, and from there was diagnosed with non-smokers emphysema, which is like a lung disease. Okay. And, um, and so she came back from that and was sort of kind of always sort of sick, quote unquote sick, uh-huh. but not really like in a way that super duper affected our lives. Yeah. Um, and then when I was in fifth grade, my mom, um, all of a sudden, the day after Valentine's Day, went into the hospital. Wow. Um, so we were picked up from school the next day from the lady we coupled with, and she told mm-hmm. us that my mom was in the hospital and yeah. all the things. And one thing led to another, and she um, fell into a coma for like 200 days. Wow. And this sort of like began what was like an eight-year journey with my mom's health. And so... Um, that was like a long spiel. And so my, like my family life at that point, um, kind of changed dramatically. Uh-huh. I mean, my, my mom was in the hospital. We didn't see her for that length of time. And my dad never left her side. So, yeah. um, just truly like out of God's grace, we had a family that was super tight knit on both sides. And mm-hmm. so our families and my aunts all like rotated every few days who was taking care of us. Yes. So, um, we would have, you know, this aunt one week, the next aunt another week, the next aunt we would stay with our cousins in Charlotte. And we just Mm kind of were always on rotation with family members and grandparents. And then eventually my mom was released from the hospital and she was like 86 pounds and was attached to a ventilator to help her breathe the whole time Mm -hmm. and came home um, and could barely walk, could barely breathe. And we had a full-time Kenyan nurse living with us. Her name was Mary Katata. And my mom at that point was placed on a a transplant list for two lungs and a heart. So that was about two years of kind of recouping and waiting for, mm-hmm. to, for like the perfect match. Cause it's a very complicated process, but yeah. you have to have like a very perfect match to have someone, someone else's organs and from the same body. So it yeah. was about from, let's see, she, she probably came home in like June before I went to sixth grade. And then by seventh grade at some point, I forget, honestly, okay. um, she got her, double lung and heart transplant and so typically okay. um uh typically what happens is your body um kind of has like a life expectancy of time where it can figure out 
um, I guess it has like a time span of deciding how long it'll take until it realizes it's carrying another person's organs. Um, and that time frame can be anywhere from like three to 20 years of your body, like maintaining life before rejecting the organs. It realizes it's not its own. Um, so by like the third year of my mom's double lung and heart, um, my mom's organs started failing. And so that was probably, that was spring of my sophomore year of high school. Okay. Um, and then by junior year, fall, um, I went to Charlotte Christian and that, it was like time for us to go to Windy Gap for like our little fall retreat. Uh-huh. And, um, my mom was going to Duke for a little, uh, check checkup or whatever. She mm-hmm. fell back into a coma and ended yeah. up passing away, yeah. um, while I was like through that whole um time frame so that mm-hmm. is like the long short wow. of it yeah um but it definitely wasn't normal um it wasn't a normal childhood and I say that really like it was no one's fault it was just sort of the reality of our life and it's something that um has definitely affected me in a lot of ways especially as an adult I always kind of joke that I became a 40 year old when I was like 11 yeah um (laughs) and I was just really forced to grow up super fast Mm -hmm. and um mature in ways that I didn't think I would at that age but now as an adult and as a wife and as a future parent myself I'm grateful in a lot of ways even though it was like extremely painful and not my choice I'm grateful that I was forced to step up and rely on the Lord in certain ways then because I'm not yeah. sure like how that would have happened or panned out mm-hmm. had it not been that way, if that makes me sense. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's just crazy. So that's a little bit about our family life. Okay. Um, my family since then, my dad has gotten remarried. Okay. Um, so now we have a blended family and I'm obviously married myself. And uh-huh. so, Family looks different, but it's just different. Like, it's just a new normal. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, there's pain in that, but there's also a lot of grace and how God really does redeem things. Yeah. That on the surface and at the beginning usually seems like you, you can't fathom how it would get better. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know, but it just does. Like, the like the way that God heals your hearts and um, unites us to Him. Like, I, I don't look back on my mom in any other way, but just with like a lovely memory, if that makes any sense. It's really hard to explain to people, but I think it's just, it's just a a matter of time and healing Mm -hmm. to be able to look back and see like the Lord's hand because, you know, so much good has still come from that pain. So yes. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so what would you say, um, and I guess like a lot of this was going on when you were probably too little to even wrap your head around it, but what was your faith like, um, kind of growing up and I guess pretty much in high school, like when this was going on, like, did you view it as like, were, were you thinking of all of this through the lens of this is the Lord's plan or whatever, or did, was that even something that you were considering around that time? I don't know. Sorry. That was kind of, I'll jump. No, you're saying, um, you know, I, well, I've been in a lot of therapy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like 15 years of counseling. And so it's funny because I do think that, like, I, I am lucky to say that I really don't know a day apart from the Lord. But uh-huh. I think this definitely, like, kind of shaped my theology, if you will. Yeah. Um, I think at the beginning of my life, and really till probably the last five years mm-hmm. I think I I lived in fear of God in a lot of ways like yeah. I never it's never been something 
like, it's not like my mom died and I was like super mad and angry at God for letting it happen. I never went through any of that. I think I process more of wanting to be good. And Mm -hmm. what that means for me is like, try to before, like before I really understood it, I think I imagined God, um, as like this powerful man who sat in the throne and just watched my life and decided based on my actions, how to, um, how to let things happen or not happen. Yeah. Uh And I think I've been taken on a journey of just like reshaping my theology of, of really coming to understand the sovereignty of God. Uh Um, and I don't know. It's totally been a journey, but I would say, like I said, I've never known a day apart from him, but I think I'm learning to see God's kindness into me. And Uh even in the midst of those painful moments, because at the end of the day, you know, like if you read Job, um, in Job chapter one, you see Satan coming to God and asking if he can, um, like it says like, what about your servant Job? Or God says, what about my servant Job? Mm -hmm. And basically it's like God giving permission to the enemy to, um, kind of quote unquote mess with his life. But it's not like, I think it's comforting to me to think, that while God allows it, it doesn't necessarily mean he causes it. And so I have to just reconcile in my brain and think through a lot, like what is God trying to to teach me in this? And so I think like from an early age, I've always kind of viewed life from the lens of trying to filter, um, you know, what God was trying to cultivate in my spirit and teach me. Yeah. And so, but I've learned, I think I've, I've, I would say that I probably spent a lot of years um, trying to like kind of not like workspace salvation, but just like uh-huh. very much try and live within and be good, like be the good girl because I was scared and I lived out of a fear of a lack of control. Cause a lot mm-hmm. of, a lot of the issues of my mom manifested itself into me becoming like really controlling over the things that I could control. Yeah. Um, whether, you know, that was just being like super cautious and a little bit fearful of doing scary things mm-hmm. or um, making bad decisions. Like I just lived in fear that my decisions had an, a direct impact on the way God allowed my life to pan out. And I think yeah. it's just been through, it's been through, honestly, it wasn't probably until Daniel deployed a year ago that I was able to understand what it meant for God to lovingly allow things to happen. Yeah. And, um, and allow, and allow him to like strip that control freak of me mm-hmm. so that I could live more surrendered because I just, I think my heart and my goal was to manipulate every outcome I could yeah. to avoid pain. And oftentimes I just got in my own way when I was trying to do that because I would end up trying to, like I said, manipulate certain things for my, for my desired outcome rather than just kind of letting it happen. Um, And so I think the Lord has been showing me throughout my life what it means to truly walk in a surrendered way of knowing that like, no matter what, um, like he, like, I don't have to fight for this place of victory. Like I get to fight for a place of victory because like he's already gone before me and he loves me and I can, I can walk into whatever situation knowing that truth. And so it's, it's taken a long time probably for me to get to that place. But I, I, it's just been more of me learning that my actions are not dependent upon like 
his love for me, if that yeah. makes sense. That's uh-huh. a super long-winded answer. <laughs> no, that was good. <laughs> no, I love that. And I love actually what you just said about like fighting from a place of victory, not for a place of victory. I think that's like, wow, that was a really powerful statement. Um, but and kind of like, so one thing that you mentioned there, I guess we could go off of that now. So like you said that your husband is in the army. And so yes. obviously like, if, I mean, if you could just talk a little bit about like, what is that like? And like, in what ways did that like test your faith? And in what ways is like, are you comforted by like the fact that, you know, the Lord um, has a plan and you know that he's got um, Daniel in his arms. So just kind of talk about a little bit about um, that in the season of life. Totally. Well, becoming an army wife was like, I always say that losing my parent was one thing, but becoming Daniel's wife was like a whole nother test. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's just different. Like I, I didn't understand it until I was married, but a relationship with a spouse is different than a relationship with a parent. And uh-huh. in so many ways, things that Daniel and I've walked through have been a hundred and million times harder than losing a parent, which is really bizarre to think about. But, yeah. um, you know, I moved to, well, Daniel and I got married five days after we graduated from college, which okay. was the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and we moved to Oklahoma. Um, and he did training and all of the things. And then we moved to Savannah and all of a sudden my husband was gone like half of our, like I think we did the math and all, in our three years of marriage, he was gone like 75% of it. So wow. we moved to Savannah yeah. and I, um, like I'm terrified to stay at night by myself and mm-hmm. he was gone for weeks on end. And, um, it was just another situation in which I had to yield to my season yeah. and really just pray that the Lord would like make me brave. And I, I, it's crazy for me to think back on it because it's, I just have to say it's supernatural because now I'm back and our life feels a lot more normal. Like he's still mm-hmm. in the military, but he's home from his deployment and life feels normal again. Yeah. And it's funny cause I'm scared to like be at home by myself again. And it's <laughs> funny in those moments where I like had no choice, but to be alone, uh-huh. like, God just gave me what I needed. So anyway, so that was like, I just felt like I grew up like a whole nother, whole nother level, probably in that first two years of our marriage. And yeah. so he was gone all the time. And then we found out he was going to deploy for almost a year. And so I kind of wrestled back and forth with, okay, do I move back to Charlotte and just live with my family for a year? Yeah. Um, do I stay here by myself? And luckily by like totally a chance, um, my best friend's husband was going on another deployment, but last minute got put on Daniel's deployment. Okay. And so we ended up moving in together and which was such a funny thing. Like mm-hmm. I moved in the day that they both left us. She took a positive pregnancy test. Oh, wow. So the entire deployment, I watched her and her belly grow. Um, <laughs> And it was just so funny. But I think what another controlling thing that I like, this is just kind of a constant theme in my life is just this like desire to tight grip my life Mm -hmm. um, and manipulate outcomes. And it's totally a self-protective sort of thing. Just like, what can I do to protect myself from any kind of extra pain and all the things. Um, but like I said before, it's like I oftentimes would get my own way. Like I would create extra tension in our marriage or I'd be certified or I would just, I don't know, I just would get my own way. And I yeah. remember right before Daniel deployed, um, 
I was extremely anxious, mm-hmm. obviously, um, yeah. about him leaving. And I felt like God said to me, Mary Scott, I love Daniel. Well, first of all, Daniel is my son mm-hmm. and I love him more than you ever could think of. And it's yeah. like, I was like, oh yeah. Like, why did I believe I was God? Like, I think, I think that's oftentimes the stance that I am tempted to take is, yeah. is I know this, so let me just get out of my way, everyone. I'm going to do it. I'm a fixer. Like, I'm a two on the Enneagram. I believe yeah. I know what's best for the world, uh-huh. and I can fix it, and I'm everyone's, like, savior. And it was the first time, I think, other than my mom being sick, like, I had to truly open up my hands and surrender him over. And, uh-huh. like, even the first few months that he was gone, I felt like every time I was tempted to grab the reins again tightly and hold them. I like had to physically open up my hands because I couldn't carry the weight of of just the weight of him. Like I couldn't carry the weight of his life. I couldn't carry the weight of his protection and the worry. Like it was, it was truly a burden that I wasn't fit to carry. And so Mm -hmm. I think it was the first time in my life that I was like, you know what? I have no choice but to walk fully in faith in the sovereignty of God because I literally am just a mere human over here who has no strength on her own to carry this. And I, I was suffocating, like just trying to just, I I don't even know how to describe it. I was suffocating. And so it wasn't until like I decided and learned how to walk in freedom that I felt like, or to walk in surrender that I fully experienced the freedom. And Mm -hmm. it's funny now, like he is back obviously and even just in like normal mundane things that I would typically get stressed about, I just, mm-hmm. like nowadays I'm just like, well, like the Lord has it. Like I yeah. just can't. Like I, I feel like I've, and this is an area that I'm sure I'm going to struggle with again the moment I become a parent. Yeah. But I, I just can't. Like I don't have time to try and control it anymore. Like it's just too much for me. And so that is one. One lesson I'm super grateful for, I think the military, like, I always laugh and joke, like, no one actually has control of their lives, but most people are under the illusion that they do. Yeah. And then the military just shows you that you're <laughs> just normal and you actually don't have any control. Oh, yeah. So, it's nowadays, like, as we decide whether or not we're staying in the military in the next year, getting yeah. out, in some ways, it's scary for me to think that I'm going to like have a choice and have to make a decision yeah. <laughs> um, because I've gotten so used to not having it, but that's kind of how the army has yeah. played into our marriage. But again, like it's another one of those things that like without this season, I still don't know who I'd be without it. So I can't help but be grateful for it. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I, um, so I'm also a two on the Enneagram. And so like what you're saying about like control and stuff, I'm like, that's one of the things the lot, the Lord has taught me like in this past season is just like, how like surrender really is the only way to like true freedom. Because if it were up to me, like I would have this like bullet point of list of everything that I want in my life. Um, and the Lord just even like within this like college decision, it's like, this was like one, the one school that I had on my list that I was like pretty confident I wasn't going to go to. And so like, just like really putting your faith in the Lord and being like, Hey Lord, what's your plan for me has been one of the hardest things, but also like one of the most rewarding. So I was going to say, I don't have time to, like, delay the Lord's plan because it's just going to be more painful if I try and, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I try and resist it. It's going to be ten times harder. So I think nowadays I'm just, like, I just have to be obedient because I don't have time or the strength to resist anymore. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. <laughs> do it. Yeah. 
for sure. Um, okay. And so if, if this applies at all, if not, we can move on. But like, do you feel like some of the lessons that you've learned, like kind of through, um, I guess the trials of like, you know, what you went through with your mom and then even with Daniel being deployed, have you felt that any of the lessons that you've learned, um, you've been able to use to kind of like be an encouragement to others? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I always, I'm not, didn't laugh, but I always like would talk to my dad about this. It was so funny. Well, it's not funny. It's ironic. <laughs> yeah. Um, cause I felt like right after my mom passed away, I was able to like all, I had started having friends whose parents also passed away Yeah. and able to be someone for them. Um, that I wish I had had in that season, if that makes any yes. sense. And now, especially with being a military spouse, um, I feel like I get requests all the time from people, whether it's social media or emails, like just asking me questions. And so I'm able to shed some light in a way, like I've gone before people uh, in certain ways. And now even Daniel's dad is suffering through like pretty terminal brain cancer. Wow, yeah. And even in like a spousal relationship, I'm grateful in a lot of ways that I um, know specifically how to like, or that I've just been there before. I do think it's interesting now that like once you go through stuff, especially like losing someone you love, you think that you're going to have all the answers for people, but it's yeah. still just as hard. But I think there's like that level of compassion that you can extend to someone that yeah. someone can feel a little bit less alone in their pain when they know that you actually know what they're experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's such a gift to someone that's suffering. And I think, in so many ways, like I know, you know, in anything that I've struggled with, when I've had a mentor or a friend who's like, like I was talking to my pastor's wife the other day, we were at lunch and she uh-huh. was sharing some stuff that she had experienced early on in marriage that I was experiencing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Megan, thank you so much for sharing this for me because sometimes, like, when we're in the midst of it and our own story, we cannot. Mm-hmm we cannot see how it can turn out differently. And if we can just see and stand on someone else's faith for just a few minutes and see how the Lord was faithful and that faithful in their lives, we can, you know, begin to have the strength to trace his faithfulness in our life and believe that he's going to be able to do that again. And so Mm -hmm. I think for sure, I'm, that's why I'm saying, I've said a few times, even in our conversation, it's like as painful as those situations were, I can't help but be grateful for them because it's scary to me to think who I would be without those. And I'm grateful for how God has shaped me. And, and I don't think I would, would rather not be who I am today without that. that Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If you think of any others, like some big lessons that you feel like the Lord has taught you either in these seasons or beyond and also some other times in your life. Um, and I think these can connect to like the two things that we've talked about, but like some other times in your life that you feel like have really shaped the person that you are today. I mean, even like comparing your college decision, I, um, this was probably like a huge, I would say like as close as I was to the Lord in high school, college is where everything probably shifted for me the most. And it began with, so I, I grew up a diehard South Carolina Gamecock uh-huh. and I wanted to go to South Carolina my whole life Yeah, and I got deferred from USC three times wow. Wow. <laughs> which made no sense yeah. because I got into Clemson right off the bat uh-huh. traditionally Clemson is a harder school to get into yes. and um, 
it, like I would have never in a million years guessed it, but I kept like every time I got deferred, um, I was just like, okay, Lord, like I will go to Clemson if you defer me again. And I yeah. got deferred the third time. And I think it was the first time, um, that I was able to see how God, um, protects us. And while he allows us to make decisions, I think he, he closes doors and like aligns paths and opens mm-hmm. doors in ways that we couldn't fathom. Like even me working at Proverbs, for example, yeah. um, I started having dreams that I was going to work at Proverbs, which was so interesting. Yeah. Um, like specifically I was going to work for Lisa Turkers and I laughed because I was engaged to Dana and I was moving to Oklahoma and it didn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden I got an email from a friend asking me to, to take her job, her maternity leave job where she had her baby. And it's like things like this where I'm like, there is no way that I could have actually done that on my own. And so I think when I started, like I've become less concerned on trying to manipulate outcomes. And that doesn't mean that like you don't try or you don't put yourself in situations. Like I hate when people are like, well, God just gonna, he's going to blame me that guy I'm supposed to date. And I'm yeah. like, well, yeah, but you need to go outside. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, so I think like, while we still have to take steps, like forward momentum steps in the right direction, I think yeah. the Lord has really taught me over the years that I can't fall out of his will for my mm-hmm. life. Like I can't do anything to mess it up. And while I can, you know, reap consequences and things like that, I can trust that like he is leading me in a direction for my ultimate growth, even though sometimes that is placed with pain. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's all continued. And I think the, the most common themes in, in all of these situations is me learning what it means to walk and surrender. And uh-huh. You know, sometimes that walking and surrender meant like death and sometimes it meant life and freedom. And Mm -hmm. I think that's where people get really caught up is like, okay, well, what if I did walk and surrender and my parent does die like yours did? Um, And I think that's where you just have to trust and you have to pray that God would open up your eyes so that he can allow you to see what he's trying to show you and allow like like you just can't fight the refinement that he is trying to do within you. Yeah. And so I think I just, I just try and hold fast to the idea of full, sorrowful seasons. That is like a lifeline for me to cling to. And then yeah. that in situation after situation for me to just mm-hmm. cling to the promise that mm-hmm. I will see restoration in this yeah. situation. And even in losing my mom, right? Like I, yeah restoration and that I can only see in pieces before I'm in eternity. Right. Like I will not see complete restoration in that, but I can see pieces of redemption. So whether that's, you know, my soul is becoming more united with Christ. And and that's another important reminder. I think I'm learning this too, even in my current season, like I can fight, fight, fight for whatever I think is on the other side. But what I have to remember is the prize is always Jesus. Like Uh I could learn surrender to find freedom or I could pray, pray, pray for X, Y, and Z in my marriage. And it might happen, but ultimately everything is working for our good and our closer relationship with the Lord. And so at the end of the day, if if I remember that like the end goal is always God, then I'm always walking towards a place of restoration. But obviously Mm -hmm. God promises, promises 
us that we will experience that and whether we experience it on earth or not like that's the issue but I think like I literally am always reciting to myself oh my goodness like I can't wait to see how beautiful this is in time or you know the Lord will redeem what the locusts have eaten I just cling to those promises because I think in moments when we can't see how there could be any redemption we just like we have to stand upon something that's more solid than our circumstances yeah and so I think that's like the main like takeaway of just what I've learned in my short 25 years Uh (laughs) yeah um and I just think I would encourage someone to just trust the process like Uh I I would have probably saved myself and my and my husband and multiple other people years of heartache if I had just yielded to my season and trusted the process and trusted pruning and trusted what it meant to learn how to bear fruit like if I had just actually done that rather than trying like I said a million times to manipulate outcomes and be the hero of my own story yeah then I would have probably saved myself a lot of pain and and I think I would just encourage someone to to just to just open your hands mm-hmm. and, and give it back. And every time you're tempted to take it back in and cl- clamp your hands together, then you just have to get back on your knees and open them up. And it's a daily, I think that's too, it's a daily fight yeah. for our minds. And for that surrender, it's not like I decided one day, oh, I've surrendered. And then I never struggled with it again. Like yeah. that's not how this works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think another piece of advice, and this can be like a little bit scary to like dwell upon, um, but you know, when I'm aware that like I have an enemy that's after me Uh and after my soul and after my marriage, it reminds me that there's a battle that I need to prepare for. And spiritual warfare is a huge, huge, huge thing. And it's been huge in my marriage and in my personal mind. So like I have to decide whether it's a good season or a bad season that I'm going to get up and put on my full armor every single day. Whether that is because I'm desperate for that armor that day or I'm just doing it. Like you don't just go out in the car without putting on your seatbelt. You don't go to war. Like Daniel's not going to go to war and not have what he needs. And I think Uh we sometimes fall into the trap of going to the Lord and spending time in his word in moments where we're desperate. And while Mm -hmm. that is good, I, I think, I wish that I had been more prepared at times for yeah. battles that I was not sure. Like I didn't know they were coming. And yeah. so um, that's another just piece of encouragement I would extend to someone is, is you have to like acknowledge that you're in a war for your soul and it's like going to be a fight every single freaking day yeah. of your life. <laughs> and there are days where it's just going to be such a distraction of like what God is really wanting for you. Like the enemy's going to seek to distract you yeah. from all the good that God is calling you to and all of the, you know, the job he has for you. And when I'm like, when I live my life from that mindset, I'm way more capable of like, being able to protect my heart and my mind from falling into despair because I, I'm not shocked by it. Yeah. Um, so that's another piece of encouragement. I would yeah. say, I mean, I could go on about that forever. Yeah. 